Hello and welcome to the podcast, Every Moment is Sacred, where we interweave meditation and healing into everyday life. I am your host, Rain Elizabeth Stickney. Now, let us begin. Hey, welcome back. If you are here for the first time, welcome. Thank you for being here. Darcy Hawkshurst is my guest today. I am so pleased and touched to share her story with you. Darcy has my heart. I have so much awe and admiration for all she has accomplished and been through. Along with being a founding member of Certified MAF Method Health and Fitness Coaches and Practitioners, she is also a child brain developmentalist. I didn't even know that was a phrase, child brain developmentalist. She is a neurological evaluator, a member of the Conscious Feminine Leadership Academy, a writer, speaker, teacher, and literacy expert. All of these accomplishments shine through in our conversation. However, the most important thing that Darcy shares about and who Darcy is is that Darcy is the loving mother of a formerly brain-injured child. Think about this. Formerly, her child had a brain injury in her newborn days, and that brain injury was severe and required a lot of care. And Darcy found a way with help and with her keen mind and determined spirit, Darcy found a way to help her child's brain heal from the injury. This is a miracle in some ways, but it's also simply exactly what happened. And it happened with consciousness, with clarity, with effort with learning, with trying and noticing. This healing of Darcy's daughter's brain happened on purpose, which in itself is a miracle to take someone, a young mother, and witness her in a moment of her life where it took everything to figure out what to do. And Darcy did it. And here, in this part of Darcy's journey, her daughter is 29 in business school, quite an accomplished young lady herself. And Darcy openly shares this vulnerable and valuable journey of hope and healing, not only about her daughter, but about herself. So Darcy helped her daughter, yes, for sure, in amazing ways, and you will hear all about it. And Darcy also came to her own moment of needing to help herself. So this conversation is broken into two parts. This is part one. Next Friday is part two. Today's sharing of the conversation really focuses on Haley, Darcy's daughter, And next week, we get to hear more about Darcy's story and how Darcy had a moment of coming to herself in a new way to renew and repair what she needed in her own body, mind, heart, spirit. Connect with Darcy through the Vibrant Woman program and course found on her website, DarcyHawkshurst.com. B-A-R-C-I-H-A-W-X-H-U-R-S 
T, Darcy Hawkshurst. And all of these links will be in the show notes. You can also attend Darcy's Mother's Day event on Saturday, May 13th online, and it's free. I am signed up. You can enjoy her freebie, the Sugar Free Challenge, and that is clearly available on her site, but we will also link to it in the show notes. Darcy is also writing a memoir about her daughter's journey from brain injured to business school and her own journey from rock bottom burnout to thriving. I'm really looking forward to this book. Darcy is so knowledgeable and heartfelt, and I love the pairing of the two in the whole being of who Darcy is. Her spirit is so bright and clear and honest. Before we jump into the episode, and when we do, you'll find that Darcy and I start right away with the deep stuff. We don't do a lot of chit-chat. We go right to what wants to be told and shared with all of you. So before we step into that stream, I would like to share with you and also remind those of you who have heard before, I am so thrilled to be offering an in-person summer meditation retreat this year, 2023, July 9th through 13th. That is a Sunday through a Thursday. We will meet and gather at Trap Family Lodge in Stowe, Vermont. You are invited. Your best friends are invited. Your sisters, siblings, your mother, your father, your aunts and uncles and cousins and everyone is welcome, including, some of you will be happy to hear about this, including dogs. The Trap Family Lodge is dog friendly. So if you want to come and you have a furry friend (laughs) that is a dog, please feel free to bring your dog with you. At the Trap family lodge, you'll be surrounded by nature, which is perfect for awakening to your true self, meaning that you may already know who and what your true self is. I personally find that awakening is an experience that happens every day, that the awakening to the true self is an awakening, continuing to wake up, and the awakened state describes one who chooses to continually awaken. So wake up with me in Vermont this summer, and we will enjoy the realm of being that is still and vibrant and sacred and silent and filled with the orchestra of life. I'll be kicking off this wonderful in-person event with a free event. So the week of May 8th will find me in an online meditation retreat for four days. You are welcome to that. That is free, 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 free period. You just come and enjoy. And we will begin to explore the healing presence of nature, answer questions, have meditations together, Everything I do is co-created with you. So when you are present with me, I'm always interested in what do you want? How can I help? And from that presence that we share, the teaching comes. What I do, whether I'm online or in person, is I facilitate your awakening journey with gentleness and clarity. And what I mean by that is I believe you're already on a wonderful and beautiful path of awakening that's just right for you. And we all need a little nudge and help sometimes. And in relationship, there is so much to discover that helps everyone, including me, to find those places in the nooks and crannies that are wanting to wake up but need a hand to hold. I hold your hand. I want to hold your hand. I will hold your hand. I'm here for the holding. 
So come with me on retreat. Everything can be found on my website, rainelizabeth.org. For these specific events, click on the Stillwater Meditation tab and everything about meditation will pop up. This is a meditation retreat in Stowe, Vermont at the Trap Family Lodge. It is also a retreat to enjoy nature. There will be ample time to explore the 2,600 acres of wild land with trails and historic sites. There are farm animals and bird song. And in the summer, Vermont is green and lush. The flowers are big and beautiful and colorful and filled with the vibrancy of life, that which we are all made of. So come enjoy. I want you there. And when you pay, use the coupon code 500 off, 500OFF. You'll get $500 off if you register by April 25th. Now, I'm looking forward to sharing this conversation with Darcy Hawkshurst. I'm looking forward to seeing you in person. I'm looking forward to seeing you online. I'm looking forward to all of the connections this wonderful podcast brings forth. Thank you again for being here. Get ready. Darcy openly shares her story with vulnerability, honesty, and a spunk. I think we all will enjoy. I truly enjoy. So have fun. Here we go. Hey, Darcy. Hey, Rain. It's so good to be here with you. I feel so honored that you want to share your story about yourself and your daughter and everything that goes into that. I'm not going to say any more details. I just want to listen to you. (laughs) Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here with you. So I'll just give you the basics of the bullet points of the background, I think. So, you know, I was a young single woman in college when I had my daughter, Haley, and I, I was about as prepared. I've said this before. I was about as prepared for young single motherhood as I was for life in outer space. It's just that I didn't know what I didn't, I didn't know what I didn't know. So I wasn't even a little bit terrified yet. I was clueless. I thought this would be great. I'm going to be a single mom. And at 12 days old, she came down with a fever of almost 104 in the middle of the night. And that was a whirlwind invitation into a journey I had no idea to Mm -hmm. expect. So yeah, we whisked her off to the hospital. I was with my mom. I think my mom was trying to help me get some rest. I had been up with the baby all night. And so my mom took the, took her temperature and said, Oh no, this is bad. We have to go. And so there we were, uh, kind of, it's all really a blur, but I was whisked through admissions into a room where Haley was taken out of my arms and brought back a little while later all stripped down with tubes and wires coming out of everywhere in an incubator. And she had had a spinal tap and they were waiting for the results. Basically the news was she, this baby has a spinal meningitis Mm -hmm. and I was so close. I didn't even know how serious that really was. Yeah. I was still staying there, you know, in a milk stained pajama top, kind of feeling a little irritable. Like, can we just get home? I'm going to need to get some rest. And I, I really had no idea what was about to happen. So there were a couple of tense, terrible nights in the hospital leading to a transfer. There was one night they could not, she started having seizures from the swelling and pressure on her brain and mm. they were becoming so terrible the situation was really dire. They had to emergency uh, transfer her to a a children's hospital about an hour away where they had the right equipment and and skill. And anyway, that was, like I said, a a moment that still stands out in my mind as an invitation to a really important and sacred journey that I didn't even know I had been asking for. Wow. Yeah. Because I think i I think I would not have felt the sense of clarity and purpose that I have now in my life if I hadn't had to live through something 
so, I, you know, I don't even want to put a label on it. Like a, uh, some people would call it a tragedy, perhaps, especially at the time, you know, if your newborn baby almost dies in the middle of the night in the hospital, that's, you know, th- these are, these were bad things, quote unquote, bad things that were happening to us. Yeah. And they were certainly terrifying at the time. Although I will say there was a sense, the very deepest part of me, a sense of stillness and peace. Like I, w- I, I didn't know these words yet because I was not a, a meditator or anything like that, but there was a watcher in me just kind of watching all of this unfold. So, you know, we were sent home. She did survive. And, and um, we were sent home a couple of weeks later with <laughs> this tiny baby and a, a long list of disability labels terrible mm-hmm. prognoses and a big bottle of phenobarbital. And wow. I was just told to take her home and raise her like a normal child. Uh-huh. I had no, no idea what that even meant. Right. You had just I, been through so much. I had no idea how to even sleep in a dark room again. I had not left her side in the hospital. I mean, I had just uh-huh. camped out in a, in a recliner chair in the NICU, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and I, I left her side to use the restroom and to march to the janitor's closet down some scary corridors and into the dark depths of this hospital, this old part of the hospital to a janitor's closet where at the time they kept the only breast pump Mm -hmm. because I was, that was my act of faith that she was going to need my breast milk Mm -hmm. and I needed to have some for her. Wow. I would pump every few hours. And other than that, I was just there in this recliner you know, waiting, watching the monitors and listening to the beeps. And she was unconscious for most of that time. But yeah, that's what I recall. And then I did, I did my best to raise her like a normal child, but whatever that means when, when you're living with these labels already, and we did try all the mainstream therapies, you know, Haley had, um, she was at risk for all kinds of things that yes, started to come true, you know, gross Mm -hmm. and fine motor delays. She couldn't, walk or run as well as her peers. She didn't have the visual development. By the time she was four years old, she was cross-legged and cross-eyed and frustrated all the time and not able to learn or remember, not able to fall asleep on her own, not able to stay asleep for very long, still having seizures, even though she was on four medications, not counting the two that had caused life-threatening reactions. So yeah, we were both just really a hot mess. And I remember this morning, this pivotal morning that she was having another meltdown. I was having a meltdown and I'm sure my mom could sense it when I dropped her off uh, to, for babysitting so I could get to work. And um, my mom just handed me this note and it said it had a phone number on it. She just said, look, please call this number. She said, I've read an article. I've, I've, I've done some research. This place can help you and check it out. Mm-hmm. And I huffed yeah. off, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, feeling like mind your own business, right? Yeah, I, right. I, How dare you? <laughs> I, I mean, only at a certain level because I, I relied on her for a lot of help. And and she could see it that that, that morning, l- watching my daughter struggle and feeling the struggle of just trying to help her get dressed without a, a meltdown, without everything feeling so hard all the time. Where was there was very little joy in our lives. I, I won't say there was none. I, I, you know, I loved being a mama. I, I loved, I loved my little girl. She was precious in so many ways, but everything felt so hard. And I just had this resounding feeling come up from my bones that just felt like, no, this cannot be it. Mm-hmm. And that was the day my mom handed me the note. So yeah, I'll tell you where the place, it was the place called the Institutes for the Achievement of Human Potential. Mm-hmm. And it was founded by Glenn Doman, who was the pioneer in child brain development. The late Mr. Doman was an incredible, uh, he calls himself a searcher, not a researcher. And he built an incredible team of people around him with all different kinds of expertise. And they they were really asking questions that no one had asked before. They were asking questions like, how do we help the brain heal? Mm-hmm. How do we help these children with uh, neurological problems and brain injury? How do we help them outgrow that? How do we treat the root cause of it so that the symptoms go away when we treat a root cause? Mm-hmm. You know, everybody else was, and, and everybody else is still asking, how do we quiet down a symptom? Not how do we treat a root cause? Yes. Pivotal question takes you an entirely different trajectory. For you, was it a viral spinal meningitis mm-hmm. or bacterial for Haley? Bacterial. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it was group B strep. This was in 1993, wow. which was, mm-hmm. so she contracted, we had a long, difficult labor 
and birth. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They had broken my water and she was in my birth canal for many hours, prolonged, mm-hmm. difficult labor. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a urinary tract infection a couple of days after I gave birth to her, which should have been the first sign to check the baby. And actually 1993 was like the cutoff date where they now give starting shortly after that, it was protocol to, Mm -hmm. to do the swab and see if there's any group B strep Mm and birth canal before, because you can, Mm -hmm. you can, you can prevent that from the Mm -hmm. baby from being coming infected, but they didn't know it then they weren't doing it then. And that's where that came from. Yeah. Well, Darcy, I, I was affected by that decision in my birth of my son because I was positive mm-hmm. for GBS for group B strep. And so I took the antibiotics, like there's a whole protocol, at least when my son was born, I don't know what it's like today, but that was nine years ago. So what an interesting connection you were just before that shifted. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you've had such a journey. Yeah. And I wouldn't trade it mm-hmm. for, the, for the world, by mm-hmm. the way. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't always have said that. So, you know, once we found the institutes and I began to learn about the brain, which is, I was so starving for it. I mean, that's, that became the entire focal point of every aspect of my life was to learn about the brain and what to do to help Haley outgrow it. And I'll be real honest with you, Rain. There was for a long time, a part of my motivation was I just wanted this to never have happened. I wanted to do something, anything to erase that this had happened to her and to me. I didn't want to be the mother of a brain injured child. I didn't want to be the mother of a kid who struggled. I didn't want to be the mother of that long list of labels. I did not want that. So I was willing to do anything. And I just kept thinking that one day she would be well, as in it would be as if it never happened. That's no longer you know, at some point that stopped being what I wanted because I realized that walking this journey for myself, walking it with her, watching her step by beautiful baby step day after eternal day. You know, some of those days I look back, it went so short, but in the middle of those days, those days were each the longest year of my life, right? Those were some tough days, but watching her grow and be this fierce, resilient, powerful, incredible little human. I realized that I, I, how could I ever wish to take that from her? That's, that is who she is. That's right. That that's right. is, yeah, that's what she gives to the world. It's how she has transformed our corner of the world, our family, mm-hmm. me as a human, the ways I had to grow up to help her grow up. Mm -hmm. I just Mm -hmm. wouldn't trade any of it, Mm. you know, how beautiful and how healing to have that transformation of, I wish it wasn't so. And then, oh, but wait, I am being taught here. I'm learning. And my daughter has a whole life. That's hers. This is her life. Yeah. I mean, welcome to the end of any illusion of control. (laughs) (laughs) But And here's the thing. You'd think that I say that as if like I had, I really were living without control. Like I I still try. Sure. (laughs) I still try to have control. (laughs) Why not? Over her, over everything, over outcomes, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think that was, it's less than it used to be for sure. And and what a mm-hmm. just a beautiful, brilliant reminder to just lean into what we're offered. And, and that's when it became really apparent to me that this was not a bad thing that happened that I needed to find mm-hmm. a way to overcome. You know, it wasn't like I needed to get around this to get back to my path. This was the path, mm-hmm. was yeah. the sacred, beautiful path. And the fact that there was something I could do about it. Mm-hmm. In some ways, this was a beautiful match for me because- like I said to you before we started to record, but I said, you know, a lot of, I've gotten compliments over the years. What, you know, what a, maybe think words like that. They want to call me special. What a special mom I am or what, what gifts I, I have, what an incredible kind of mother I am to have this devotion to, mm-hmm. to do these, these things mm-hmm. because it took all day, every day for a good couple of on and off for decades to help Haley become the independent, successful college student she is today, mm-hmm. mostly seizure-free with no medications. And, Amazing. Um, you know, that cerebral palsy label 
that described her, the muscle imbalance and her walking pattern. I mean, she became a, a triathlete and a gymnast. She's very capable. She's, you know, the, the learning disabilities and the reading problems and the memory issues, you know, she, she runs her life now. In fact, she runs her own business now. And those things were possible because of, you know, the, yes, the sacrifices or the commitments that we made to live that rehabilitation program lifestyle. And so people say, oh, what you had that allowed you to do that. And to be honest, it was what I didn't have. And I think it's really important that I be transparent about this. I literally could not accept that she was going to live a lifetime of limitations. I could not accept that there was nothing else that could be done. So I just did not, it didn't sit well with me. And I just did not resign ourselves to that. Now that did not always make me a nice human being to be around. You know? <laughs> because I was pretty driven and I was not very open-minded people. That's the criticism. I, the criticism I would get would be that I was not very open-minded. And I thought, well, I'm open-minded to what I want. You know, I'm not open-minded to the things that don't resonate with me, mm-hmm. just all these problems she's going to have. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, so we, we did that work and I just I like to say this, you know, to anybody out there listening, if you ever are in a situation, whether this is with your child or with yourself, some situation in your life that feels painful when you think about it, when you, when you think about having to live like this and it feels painful, it's not painful because it's real and true. It's pain. That pain is that is, is your inner self, your innermost self, your wisdom asking you to look at it in a different way. Beautiful. What a beautiful piece of wisdom to share. So I hear you saying that when we're in pain, like I'm envisioning something that I don't want in my life and it's causing me some pain to imagine it. It's not that that's going to happen. It's not that it's already happening. It's that my higher self is asking me to wake up. My higher self is asking me, hey, it doesn't have to be like this. What do you want? How do you want it to be? visualize a vision of what, what's true for you. Yeah. And you may not even know, I know I didn't, I didn't know at the time what I wanted to be true for me. And I don't know that I was even willing to believe that it was fully possible, Mm -hmm. but I did know that what I had was, was a no. And I did have a question about, well, then what? Mm -hmm. And I was open to hearing the answers. And I'll tell you what's so beautiful about where I sit now is I can look back at the journey And I can see how, where the pivotal moments were, you know, it's like the book Mm -hmm. that you've read that, you know, like, here comes the good part. Like, Uh you know, it's going to get really scary for a minute. And then that thing's going to happen. Like when you look back, when you already know, you can be excited about that when you're in the middle of it and you just can only follow the part of the path that's lit up next. Mm -hmm. The whole path doesn't light up in front of you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then Mm -hmm. the next step is all you get. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that takes, I don't know if I... I want to label what that takes, but that's where I had to live because Mm -hmm. I knew we were going towards something else, something better. I just knew that Haley had such gifts to bring. I knew she was meant to shine Mm -hmm. and I knew I had to do something about helping her remove any obstacles, like, you know, certain neurological obstacles that were in her way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just to recap, here you are a college student you're pregnant, you know, you're going to be a single mom, you're into it, you give birth, it's a long process, Um, your water is released, your baby is born, and it seems as though everything's fine. You develop a urinary tract infection, but nobody really thinks much of it. And then 12 days after Haley's born, she has this really high fever in the middle of the night. And of course, as a new mom, you're tired and you're hoping it's nothing, but you take her to the doctor and the doctor's like, you know, all the doctor stuff happens, all the medical stuff. And you end up being there and transferred for weeks. I think you said a couple of weeks. And in the end, there were these prognoses of your daughter saying she's going to have cerebral palsy. She's going to have learning disabilities. She's going to have gross and fine motor delays, things like this. And all the while I'm gathering that you didn't really know what it would be, but I feel the possibility that you had a connection, a strong connection with Haley's spirit, like a strong connection with something that was more true than what the doctors were saying. And you also had a lot to figure out and it was also really hard. And some maybe years later, when you were taking Haley to 
I think, see your mom so that you could go to work. And it was a hard morning and your mom hands you this magical piece of paper. <laughs> the, let's see, the Institutes of... For the Achievement uh-huh. of Human Potential. Right. It's, the a, it's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. But it's such a great name. The Institutes for Achieving Human Potential. And that is the place where you are connected with various ways of helping the brain to develop in a good way for the individual, for the human being. Is that right? Absolutely. You know, it's, it's paradigm shifting because they're, they invited us to look at the root cause rather than the symptom, which is a seizure symptom is a seizure of, uh, an immature cortex of a, a brain. That's not able to, well, number one, it's not getting enough oxygen. It's not getting oxygenated blood flow. It probably isn't getting the mineralization it needs. It probably doesn't have adequate fatty myelination. So think about it. If you know all the electricity in the wires of your home, those are pretty well insulated, right? So you don't have electricity jumping around in places where you don't want it. So, you know, we, we have to create the same kind of situation in a, in a brain for it to be healthy. Well, instead of looking at a seizure and saying, well, because they are terrifying. I mean, I'll, I'll admit this is a whole thing. We could talk about seizures and my journey to, I'm, I'm not terrified of them. I'm not terrified when my daughter has a seizure. I understand exactly what's happening. I know exactly what to do to help her. I understand what it is. I know the after effects that a seizure is really just like a fever. To be honest, it's a life-saving mechanism that uh, to quote the institutes and Glenn Doman and his work, they say, you know, God and Mother Nature conspired, you know, for the for the body and brain to have these tripwires to provide what they need in in case of an emergency. So, you know, seizure is the solution to a problem; it's not the problem itself. But mm-hmm. what does the mainstream do? Because we're uncomfortable with them, we want them to go away. We don't want to see them, so we insert medication that will supposedly stop them. That medication works by suppressing the parts of the cortex. It doesn't just suppress the seizure functions. It suppresses all functions. It was incredible the difference in my daughter when we were able to get her completely detoxified. Incredible. In fact, we accelerated the detoxification process, which was long, slow, careful weans of all these medications. You have to keep in mind their half-lives. You have to keep in, mm-hmm. in mind, you know, the dependency that was formed. Um, you know, it's it's not without risk, but the interesting thing was we would get to the days where she would be mostly detoxified, but following the schedule, this would be the day where she was supposed to get, you know, a a tiny dose to to help the body step down carefully the the medication use. Mm -hmm. Those would be the days that she would be sick to her stomach and nauseous and her eyes would cross again and she would be miserable. So it was, it became so obvious what we were really doing. We were suppressing all cortical function Mm -hmm. to try to eliminate seeing something we don't want to see, which was really just a cry for help from an injured brain Mm -hmm. that can be healed. So, and I'm not trying to make light of things like seizures. I know there are a lot of people out there that live with those. Uh, And my daughter is, she went for six, seven years without any seizures. And she, with the stress of college and the return of a regular menstrual cycle with some estrogen dominance on your brain a few times a month, she will sometimes have a seizure Mm -hmm. and they're short, they're effective. Hers are not dangerous to her. She always feels much better afterwards. It's like a stress release. It's like a pressure release valve for her brain. So we're not terrified of them. We don't medicate her for them. And I know that might be hard for some other people to hear, but but my, my real point of this is when you treat the root cause, you know, the symptoms go away. They're far fewer than, than the seizures she ever had back when she was on all those medications. So that's our experience. And, you know, again, things like, so here's another interesting one, the visual convergence. When Haley was four years old, she had, had it's called a bilateral convergence strabismus. And that's a fancy way of saying her eyes were crossed. So you can imagine how poor her depth perception was, how poor her coordination was. You know, she was banged up all the time. She had the scabbiest knees of any kid I've ever seen. She, you know, I was terrified to let her go up or down a flight of stairs by herself. So um, now why is that? Well, again, that's a cortical function and it depends on the foundation being laid in terms of our, there's a series and a flow and a sequence to this brain development. And because her brain was hurt and I say, we're lucky, Rain, we were lucky that there are a lot of kids walking around the world today with these very same medical neurological conditions, with these very same problems who didn't have such a dramatic episode to know that, that their brains were hurt. Mm -hmm. Brain can be hurt with, you know, there's all the chemicals in our food and water. It can be hurt lots of different ways to cause these Mm -hmm. same problems. 
you know, the meningitis was obvious. We were lucky that we knew, mm-hmm. but this visual convergence, this is, this is a function of creating depth perception. It happens between the midbrain and the cortex. It happens during activities like creeping and crawling that give us the ability to then get upright mm-hmm. and become walkers and runners. And so it's just fascinating how all of these different aspects of development are connected in the brain and how they are interdependent. And so when we begin to improve one part of brain function, you can't help but to improve other parts of it. Mm -hmm. And so this was just a, again, a fascinating, beautiful learning journey for me. And to recognize that this had nothing, none of these symptoms that my daughter had or that other kids have has anything to do with their intelligence. It has everything to do with how intelligent they appear to us because their behavior in the world with these, these distortions, these sensory distortions, Haley also had um, uh, auditory sensory distortions, she was hypersensitive to touch. So all of these things created such static in her experience of the world. that, of course, her behavior was going to show that it has nothing to do with their true intelligence. And it's incredible to see how a child can really blossom and shine and transform when we remove all the static from their experience. Yes. And what a blessing you are to Haley and to the world that you're able to keep such clear sight Mm. on this innate intelligence that you're describing. Mm. Thank you for that. I don't know. Um, Yeah. Haley might chime in differently. I, you know, I, I had my (laughs) moments for sure. Moments of overwhelm. Well, I I look back, you know, I don't feel comfortable with it completely, but I'll, I'll, I'll be totally transparent about it because I think it's important that I also share this story. This is a way to heal myself as well. And to forgive myself, you know, my family did their best. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. My, I had a wonderful family and they were around me to support me the very best they could. But I will just say this, the pressure of being that single mom and having to stay home and do this program with her. Now have to is not the right word. That was my choice. Well, because it was choiceless for me. I did have to like to be who I was. I had to do this, right? Because it was true for you, right? It was my integrity. Yeah. So in a villageless society where there are so little, really, there's so little support for mothers in general, let alone the special needs moms who are carrying the weight of the world and worries how will the, you know, what, because I had carried this worry for so long. Yes. I wanted to do this to free my daughter to be who she really was, but I was terrified of what would happen to her out in the world. If I didn't make her well terrified, Mm -hmm. what happens to people that are perceived as less than that are perceived as not as smart, that are perceived as disabled in some way. It was terrifying to think that someday she would go out there and terrifying to think that maybe I can't let her go out there. Maybe I'm going to have to always, you know, hover and, and over mother and protect her. Not easy to let go of that. So yeah, I was pretty cranky. I was pretty, uh, I had a pretty short fuse and I've said my share of, you know, really unkind things. And yes, I believed Haley was intelligent. Did I always treat her that way when I was running low on sleep and overwhelmed and frustrated and burnt out? I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't. And and we still have to have conversations that address her being able to heal from those kinds of wounds. And, you know, I'm here for that too, but yeah, because otherwise what happens in the mainstream and I'm not a mainstream basher, but what happens is that we tend to look at a child like that and say, well, this is all they're going to be capable of. And so we don't expose them to the full realm of experiences and the knowledge. We don't trust that they're going to be able to hear, see, understand, remember, get it. And so they're given a really, they're shortchanged. They're given a, a really halted or I don't know what word I'm trying to look for, but a, like a, an abbreviated version of mm-hmm. things that they can learn and do. Mm-hmm. And that, I'm sorry, but that is bullshit. That mm-hmm. is, should not be accepted by any of us. No way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think what you might be speaking to is that projection that's put onto them that isn't really true to who they are. So somebody sees a child like this who behaves or is differently abled. And then there's a projection of what that means but it totally misses who the person is and their potential and their potential. That's right. And how long does it take for them to accept all of those projections? 
And even in the environment that I raised Haley in with the, with the expectation that, that, that not be it, she still has moments where she will say, and by the way, I do have her consent to share the story. Okay. <laughs> so, and great. I'm not speaking out. Yeah. She, she's all for this. So I'm not here talking behind her back or, you know, speaking uh-huh. for her. That's really important to both of us, but mm-hmm. um, you know, she will still sometimes say like, wow, I guess I'm, I'm not brain injured anymore. Like, wow, that mm-hmm. look where I am. Look what I can do. And, and yes, it's fun to see her pleasantly surprised. And then it stings a little bit still to think, wow, I didn't realize she had taken on some of those projections of her own ability to herself, that she's Mm -hmm. still surprised that she's capable Mm -hmm. because she had felt, you know, even though I I never wanted her to feel that way, I did what I could to protect her from this, but she felt, Mm -hmm. you know, less than Yeah, she felt different and yeah, but marginalized. Right. So such good points. So you started, you and Haley started this rehabilitation when she was four. Is that right? Very close. I took the mm-hmm. the first step to being able to do this program was to take a week-long course. I had never been that far away from home for that long and certainly mm-hmm. never um, away from Haley. She was four, almost five when I took mm-hmm. the course. It was called the What to Do About Your Brain Injured Child course. And then I went home and started implementing what I learned there with her, but it was still another year, year and a half before I was able to get a spot in their treatment program where, you know, you get evaluated by their staff and they assign a program and, and teach you how to do all of this. It just, it took me a, a while to get my ducks in a row. Part mm-hmm. of that speaks to, I think the intensity and of their, of their program. And part of it just speaks to where I was, you know, I, I was going to have to figure out how to pay for things and, and you know, be in all the places at all the times. So I was just one person. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how to wrangle this, you know, Haley, Haley's a, a beautiful, well, neurologically organized, very calm, intentional adult, very effective adult. But I mean, when she was five, six years old, she was like this Tasmanian devil princess. Like she always had <laughs> lipstick all over her face and 17 bags of sparkles, fly, you know, sparkles flying everywhere and some form of, you know, pink all over and her, and she was going a hundred miles an hour in four different directions. You know, she was wild and disorganized and full of energy that we just were going to have to figure out how to, you know, get her to do the things that, that had to be done. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was, it was a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful memories, but boy, I, I don't know how I did it. Sometimes people say, I don't know how you did it. I'm like, I really don't either. I don't have an answer for you. (laughs) Grace by the grace of, you know, of the goddesses. I don't know. Yes. And I feel a strong determination in you as well. (laughs) Yeah. So how old is Haley now? She's around college age. She is. I, this is a great question. I love to answer it. And I don't know if I can, I think Haley's 29. (laughs) I don't say that with any disrespect to my daughter. It's just that I'm ageless. So at some point I really did stop counting. All right. So she was born in 93. Yeah. And we're in 23. So So she'll be 30 this summer. Oh, exciting. That's a great birthday. So, so between four and 30 or 29 as of this conversation, what was the rehabilitation like? And when did you start to notice changes? I heard themes of detoxification. And I think that was from the meds that she was taking that were at first trying to address the symptoms. And I gather there's probably a lot that went into the rehabilitation. Yeah, there was. So it really looks at the program that I was taught really looks at the different pathways so motor pathways coming out of the brain, we have to provide opportunity for those to develop sensory pathways into the brain. And we have to provide stimulation for those to develop. So the program is all about looking at specifically what functions, whether they're sensory or motor functions um, in Haley's brain were either not working or not working well, correctly, according to you know the way a brain is supposed to be organized. It really is less about whether a brain is hurt or damaged and more about, is it well organized? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I see the same things in, in kids running around these days. You can, you can provide a great deal of neurological disorganization by eating a diet high in crap foods and sugar. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we're creating this all over the place, you know? Mm-hmm. So Anyway, Rain, to get back to your question, Mm -hmm. the program involved, it changed over time because as parts of the brain heal and become, you know, sound, 
then we move on. And it's like a cake. It's like, you have to start at the root of it, at the, the innermost layer and address what's not working well so that you can build that foundation. Mm-hmm. So she was terribly awkward and uncoordinated as a walker and a runner. So we went back and helped her midbrain to develop. We did a mm-hmm. lot of creeping and crawling like miles, miles of it. We went through knee pads. Like you would not believe my dad had a (laughs) subscription service, I think for us for knee pads to come because what she was going to do, we found out the way to get her to do it. I was doing it. So yeah, we did a lot of creeping and crawling for hours every day. We did a lot of sensory stimulation to help heal those oversensitive, those hypersensitive pathways. She, I'll never forget this day when she said, well, there are a couple of these kinds of moments where she says to me, I don't hear the water in the pipes anymore. What sensitivity she had. Yeah. So can you imagine if you could hear the water in, or she, and, and there was another one, she, she used to call it when a heart she would call it heart beeping. Mm-hmm. She would say, I can't hear my heart beeping. And I would think, what the heck is she talking about? And then I, you know, I began to learn and I realized that's how hypersensitive her hearing was. No wonder she was a Tasmanian double princess running yes. around. How would you behave if you had to deal with that level of sound coming at you all the time? Mm-hmm. And then people want you to sit still and listen and do this mm-hmm. and do that and read this and read like for real. Mm-hmm. So, so that's much what she information was going, going yeah. in. Yeah. And so I can also hear this as a possibility of some gifts that she had, or maybe even can still tap into, I don't know, it's an inquiry I have, like, is she able to have access to some of these abilities? Not so much. She Uh has always had this, the greatest sense of hearing. So we were able to help her her midbrain become organized that it doesn't feel like she's not bombarded anymore. But mm-hmm. if anybody like needs to strain to listen for something, we'll always be like, Haley, do you hear that? <laughs> Can you hear like, what is that? You know? And she'd be like, Oh yeah, I think that's someone's car radio a couple of blocks away, but it's no big deal. Like, you know, she, so, or can you hear that? Is that somebody's bass music? Can you hear, are they talking in there? Like she, and she was very good at music because she had a good ear. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. Yes. The it, other it thing of- that, mm-hmm. no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it kind of balances things out to remember that whatever Haley or another child with these kinds of sensitivities might be going through, that they are abilities. It's, it's an ability. It's, it's actually quite miraculous when, when we remember that her brain was actually working in her way. It was, way, it was working in the way that it needed to work for her at the time. It was working. It's lovely for me to kind of imagine like a fractal or how life just continues itself. And there's no right or wrong. It's life. This life is happening in such a beautiful way. It's a really important reframe. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to over talk you. It's what you're offering is a really important reframe, I think, because yeah, we see it all the time. I, you know, I go to the YMCA for my workouts in the winter and there's a gym full of, you know, kids and, and adults that come from the local group homes. And, and there was a, a young man who was um, in trouble with the staff. He was always leaving the gym and he was supposed to stay in the gym. And I thought, do you have any idea what the sounds echoing and the balls bouncing and the noise, do you have any idea what kind of an experience that is for him? And he's not allowed to take care of himself by leaving that painful place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, we focus so much on behavior and on what's wrong. And it's like, no, this is right. This is what he is experiencing. And he needs to be able to make his own choices about that. And at least if you're going to ask him to stay, you need to offer him some headphones, some noise cancellation headphones right now. Luckily, a lot of us in in the mainstream world where we take care of these people with these different abilities, right? We we have words for it now, like neurodiverse, neurodiversity. Mm -hmm. It's not right or wrong. It's not, I don't, I always, whenever I, I don't usually say the word disability, but I always make this sign with my fingers because, you know, that's just a word. Um, we think we know what it means. It means different things to different people. And yeah, but this idea that sometimes those projections, then they put us in a position of making these judgments as if the world always works the way we think it should. And then we hold these expectations of other people that are completely unrealistic. You know, when we really should be looking deeper. Now, I also, just because of my own journey, I advocate for way more than just him being allowed to leave the gym and having his noise cancellation headphones. I advocate for him 
being able to have access to a program like this so that eventually one day he doesn't have to experience the pain from hypersensitivity to sounds that shows that his midbrain didn't fully develop. You know, like I would, I would love to offer this, you know, absolutely. You know, I I think we're at a place in, in our, in the evolution of our society where we're still just not asking the deep enough questions. Like if we love and respect those people, yes, we, we understand now. So we have you know, sensory nights at the zoo and sensory nights at the movie theater, like to make it more comfortable for people that have these abilities. And that is a sign of love and respect for them. I could not agree more. I just want to invite us. Can we take our love and respect for them to a whole nother level? Can we take it to a level where we're willing to understand what it would take to help those midbrains to heal? And are we willing to do that? Would we be able to help them have less pain from that sensory bombardment by addressing the root cause of it in the brain. We're not there yet. And I think, you know, that's one of the reasons I'm passionate about telling this story about explaining some of these things from Haley's perspective. I had no idea she could hear the water in the pipes. And that's why I would have been so irritated with her that she wouldn't like sit still and listen. I'm trying to read you a story. (laughs) She's her attention. You know, this is not attention deficit. They're paying attention to something. Yes. That is key. That is so important to remember. And I'm so glad you said it. They have attention. They're using their attention. They're just paying attention to something else because they're able to, because they're able to listen to something that most people can't hear. It's actually miraculous. It's actually quite amazing. Totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. And when are we going to stop using punitive measures to try to you know, control their behavior when what we really need to do is ask questions that, that get us to look deeper into root cause. Root cause. I love that you keep bringing that in. It's such a good reminder to look deeper, to look deeper, deeper than the symptoms, deeper than the label, deeper than the thoughts and the projections to look at the person, to look at what's really going on. There's one other little example. There was <laughs> Haley always used to do what we call pinch elbows. <laughs> it's, you know, the skin on your elbow is a place where you're, you're not highly sensitive. And so she, in her anxiety to fall asleep, because this is where she would have seizures would be around her sleep. And even oh. if a seizure didn't manifest, I come to find out later that, you know, she would experience um, a lot of dysregulation around the brain making its way down into sleep waves, down into the delta and the theta waves. So she... Okay. And, and so she used to have, she would be so hard to put to bed from the frustrated mom point of view. She was a terrible sleeper, you know, come to understand later that this is all neurological and there she would, so she would never be able to fall asleep without having a death grip on somebody's elbow. We would offer him an elbow because that was like the place where she could like just squeeze and not hurt us. (laughs) How did you discover that? No, I think she did. I really don't know. But it was this thing, pinch elbows. Well, and if you were to tell her the story today, she would like roll her eyes. Like she has no idea what we're talking about, what all the adults know, remember this and pinch elbows. And I remember, so there just came a time where I think I said to my mom, like, I can't remember last time she did that. She just stopped pinching elbows. In other words, she began to just be able to fall asleep by herself, you know, like eight years old or something. Mm -hmm. Why? She says to me one night, mommy, the room doesn't spin anymore. Oh, sweet. And what a wonderful noticing. She was so aware of what was going on for her. You know, all the guilt though, that hit me (laughs) that night when I realized I would be so mad or again, not mad, but just the Uh burnout of it, the pressure of it, the constant, you know, always having to be on and present for somebody else and not having that time or space for myself. Right. But be so angry with her for not going to bed. And and that's mm-hmm. what she had been dealing with that whole time. Mm-hmm. The, the room, room spun. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she's holding on. She's pinching our elbows, literally holding on for dear life. Yeah. Give yeah. me something steady. Help yeah. me stay still. Help the room stay still. So those were the little things. And then of course, you know, her eyes straightening and her being able to read and her, her appetite, improving her, her appetite for real good, whole healthy foods, her coordination, her ability to ride a bike and then to ride a bike for a mile and then to ride a bike for the 5k for a triathlon. And, you know, it was just, it, my mom calls it a miracle in slow motion and it's not miraculous. It's total. there's total scientific understanding of what's, <laughs> what's happening here is the brain becomes more organized as, as more neuronal networks, you know, grow and establish themselves as the basis for what's happening with her body than, mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah. And so, you know, then there was the homeschool through high school and, and apply and you asked me how old she is. There's often, I don't mind answering that question, but mm-hmm. I, I've written about this before. I've said at one point, you know, when Haley graduated from high school, she was about 24, 25 years old and it had taken her, I don't know, eight or 10 years to get through. I stopped keeping track. You know why? She's on time for her. Yes. <laughs> we never cared how old she was going to be when she graduated high school. We just cared that she was going to do it. We never cared how old she was going to be when she went to college. We just cared that she was going to do it. And people used to say to me when she's taking, you know, six or eight or 10 months to finish a, a, a distance ed geometry class and struggling to take the test, people would say to me like, are you sure? You know, like, are you sure she's going to be able to go to college? Like she's talking about business school. Are you sure? And I was like, I don't care how long it takes. I know she's capable. <laughs> and that's the point here is that the when was never up to me. It was just the what I had my eye on that prize, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what is the what for you? Well, for me, the what was whatever she wanted it to be and that she be able to choose and to be independent. And I will admit to you, Rain, that a lot of that is yes from my my perfect, beautiful, selfless mama heart that I wanted that for her. And there's a bit of it that's from my very human, selfish mama heart, which is I wanted that for me. I didn't want to have to always worry about her. I, I can't say I'm all there yet. <laughs> like she goes, you know, I mean, any parent with a kid on a college campus, like we, there's all kinds of things to worry about these days. Right. And I'm not mm-hmm. immune to any of that, but, but for me, it's this, this idea that I would eventually be able to take off the mom hat and just let her choose for herself. There was just so, so many things I had to help and support with and so many ways that we were, it was beautiful parts of it and it's toxic parts of it, but the ways that we were um, so dependent on each other, she just needed so much help with so many things. Like to remember, I say this with all the love in my heart, Haley was so neurologically disorganized. There were days she could not problem solve her way out of a paper bag, just Mm -hmm. chronically disoriented and confused. And the short-term memory pathways were not working. And I did not want her to be an adult like that with that level of dependence on on other people. And then she began talking about business school and creating a business. And I'll tell you what her goal is now. For her, this is where she's going. She is out to transform the care around dementia and Alzheimer's patients Mm -hmm. because she says, just brain injury. We know what to do. I've done it. So outstanding, outstanding. I get full body tingles. She's doing her work. She's here on purpose with her mission and she's living it true and true with you. (laughs) You, you get to be the mom, you know, I get to be the mom. So true. What a great thing to you. And I'll tell you, so I say, you know, I worked for so long just to be able to take that mom hat off. And now that I, I honestly really can, there's days I can't, right? And Haley will even say to me, we have a kind of a funny expression, you know, between the two of us that when I start over mothering again, she's like, I'm not asking for that. I'm like, okay, I gotcha. I can back up. But what a beautiful challenge to have after yes. all the ways that I've had to be so supportive for so long. Like what a beautiful challenge to have to just back up. Yes. Yeah. I'll take it. Boy, boy, I can relate (laughs) in so many ways. Such a rewarding story that you're sharing. Well, I hope so. I just, you know, on this side of it, I'm so passionate about sharing this story. Number one, because I think it's, it's a love letter to myself and to anybody who is now where I once was, you know, Mm -hmm. alone and afraid on that couch, holding my, my daughter and you know, she used to have such terrible seizures that we would rush to the hospital and they would have to give her what's called a bolus dose of medication, which is basically they just sedate her to this side of death, basically. I mean, they just over sedate her to stop all of the seizure activity, which basically stops every other cortical activity. And she would have to sleep for days in my lap. She would end up not able to walk because she was so sedated. So she would lose all of her, you know, this is a four-year-old who had to resort to creeping and crawling again, literally because she couldn't walk. Mm -hmm. And I would, so I I remember being that mom with this, with this fear, this child in my lap and not knowing what was going to happen. And I just know how painful that is. And I remember how alone I felt and how hopeless some of those moments were 
And so here, over here, on the other side of that journey, I just look back at that beautiful, young, single mom that I was, fierce and determined, but clueless in so many ways and overwhelmed. And I just want to say to her and all the mamas who might be just like her today, you are not alone. And there is a way. And there is a path that goes from where you are now to where you really want to be. And I'm at the other end of that path and uh, I'm calling you forward and you can do this. Wasn't that a phenomenal and incredibly powerful story? What an amazing share. Darcy's journey with her daughter Haley is paradigm shifting. Can you feel that? Healing happens, folks. We are all capable of it. Check out everything Darcy does on her website, darcyhawkshurst.com. And don't forget to register for my summer meditation retreat. You can email me with any questions, meditation at rainelizabeth.org. And come back next week for part two, where Darcy shares more about her journey, her healing journey of self-care, where she comes to herself in a new way and learns about what she needs, body, mind, heart, and spirit. I look forward to having you back to receive Darcy's wisdom. She is very wise, as you can tell, and the wisdom doesn't end. It is flowing through her like a beautiful mountain stream, clear, peaceful, and abundant. Thank you so much for listening. It has been a great joy to have your presence here in this podcast. I welcome you to celebrate the joy and wisdom in your life exactly as it is. And I welcome you to feel loved, fully loved, exactly as you are. www.rainelizabeth.org